Noah had to work while he was waiting. He had to work on the ark while he was waiting. Waiting for what? Waiting for something that had never happened before during that time of world history and human history, and that is rain. It had never rained before. Vegetation grew from underground springs. The earth was so fresh and vibrant in that time. Uh, it was a beautiful place. Uh, so the vegetation grew from these springs. Rain had never occurred. So when Noah would not only work on the ark and wait for the rain, he would go out, according to 2 Peter, and start preaching to the people, telling them that judgment was coming because God was going to judge the earth because of its wickedness. And so while he's preaching, saying that the rain is going to come or water is going to come from the sky, something that people had never heard of, people had never seen before. I bet you they listened to Noah for the first week. Like, oh boy, water's going to come from the sky. Maybe we ought to take this preacher seriously. But then after two weeks went and there was no rain. After a month and there was no rain. After a year and there was no rain. And that man's still preaching Get your houses in order because it's going to rain. People probably started laughing at Noah. 10 years in, 20 years in, 30 years in, 50 years, 100 years, no rain, but he was still a preacher of righteousness. Man, <laughs> boy, we preachers need that kind of endurance and that kind of stamina today to preach even when people aren't listening. Because guess what? After 100 years, the ark was done. Then the Bible says that God brought the animals to the ark two by two. Now, one of my favorite preachers, Tony Evans, says this. He said, um, if I had lived during the time of Noah, I may not have believed Noah, but I certainly would have believed when I saw them animals marching to the ark two by two. I mean, if I had seen that phenomenon, well, I, I might have changed some things. And so the animals come into the ark and you think, man, it's about to be over. Uh-uh. Because once they get into the ark, the Bible says God shuts the door and they stay there for seven days. No rain, no rain. So they have to wait inside with all of these animals and birds for seven days. And I wonder if Noah panicked for a minute and says, I, I wonder if God cares. I wonder if God is really who he says he is. I wonder if God is going to keep his word. He told me rain was coming. <sighs> you know, we all doubt from time to time. Mm -hmm. We're human. There, there will never be an eradication of doubt. We're human. But because we're born again and we have the spirit of God, we can't stay in doubt. Because God's spirit is going to bring conviction to our lives. He's going to point us to truth. And we're going to reclaim what God has said and stand on it. And we're going to say like the man in the Gospels, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So after seven days, the rain finally came down and it rained for 40 days. So now they're inside of this ark for another 40 days. And after it rains for 40 days and 40 nights, the water stay on the earth for 150 days as it is receding and going down. So Noah is in this ark with his wife, his three sons and their daughters and all of these animals. And you thought it was tough for you being cooped up where you are with your family and the animals in your house.
Man, can you imagine how funky that ark must have been? I hope the Lord sends some Holy Ghost air freshener through there or something. You know what I'm saying? Man, to be cooped up in there. We read these stories and we don't really get inside of them and like live in them. But imagine living on this ark with all of these animals. You thought your dog was funky. Man, what about this rhinoceros over here, this hippopotamus over here? Man, it's funky on the ark. And they're there for another 150 days. And then as the waters go down and the peaks of the mountains begin to show, Noah sends out two birds, one a raven and one a dove. And the raven does rest itself, so they wait another 40 days. Then after that 40 days is up, Noah sends the uh, dove out again, and uh, the dove comes back with an olive branch in its beak, and Noah waits another seven days. So by the time they open up the door to let all the animals out and for him to get his family out, it has been 244 days that they've been waiting. 244 days, not to mention the 100 years of waiting on the rain to come while building the ark and preaching to people who didn't want to listen. Y'all, this is just my introduction. I haven't even gotten into Psalm 27 yet. We got time, don't we? Where are you going this morning? <laughs> yeah, this is the word of God. And so if they could make it for that long, can't you make it? Now, here's the deal, too. Here's the deal. God never told Noah how long he had to wait. He just had to wait. And many times God doesn't tell us how long we have to wait. We just have to wait. And on the other side of waiting is a better day. On the other side of waiting is a better day where you see a rainbow in the clouds and in the sky. On the other side of waiting is rebirth and starting all over again a sunnier day, a brighter day, a day where you appreciate the outside because you've been trapped on the inside for so long. <laughs> a day where you appreciate fellowship with others because you've been in close quarters with your family. A better day is coming. But not only that in the, New, in the Old Testament, what about in the New Testament? What about for the 120 disciples who had to wait in the upper room? Oh yeah, oh yeah waiting. It's a constant theme through the Bible. And when Jesus had resurrected, he stayed on the earth, according to Acts chapter one, for 40 days, appearing to his disciples and teaching and doing miracles before he ascended. And in Acts chapter one, before he ascended, he told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise from the father, to wait and so once he ascended, they went to Jerusalem. The Bible says they went to the upper room where they had been staying and they waited. Now, Jesus didn't tell them how long they were to wait. He didn't even tell them what to expect. He just said the promise is coming. They, they didn't really know what that meant. So they're waiting by faith. You are waiting by faith. But here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. People all over the world are waiting. They're waiting. But guess what? If you know the Lord, you're just not waiting. You're waiting on the Lord. And that's a big difference. You're just not waiting. You are waiting on the Lord.
and those 120 disciples, while they were waiting in that upper room, it ended up being 10 days that they had to wait. They didn't know it was going to be 10 days, but it ended up being 10 days because the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and baptized them with his power and with his presence. Now, the fire came and set upon each one of them. The wind came from heaven. They were all in one accord. But here's what happened. They were in that house for those 10 days, cooped up, cooped up. But they were still working while they were waiting because they were praying and making supplication. I hope you're praying while you're home. Don't miss this moment to get closer to God. Don't miss this moment to lead your family in prayer. They were also trying to figure some things out to replace Judas. They had to get rid of that. You know, the brother really took, took himself out, went and hung himself. So they had to get the number of the apostles back to 12. So they're in there dealing with things on the job. They were working from home. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they were doing what they had to do while they were waiting. And when God showed up, God showed out. And what happened inside that room transformed what happened inside that city because they couldn't keep it indoors. We're we going to get outside of these doors one day, okay? And I pray that when the church gets out, man, we'll be stronger and more on fire than ever before. We won't take anything for granted. So we see waiting throughout the scriptures. And today uh, I want to focus on Psalm 27, what David had to say to us about waiting. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, wait on the Lord. There it is. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So Strong Tower, family, friends, I encourage you to wait on the Lord. So here's my question. How can I be of good courage while I'm waiting on the Lord? If I got to wait on him, and David says, be of good courage, how can I be of good courage? Because it's easy to be of fear right now, to be afraid right now. But God, I don't want to be afraid. I want to be of good courage while I wait. I don't want to be negative or pessimistic while I wait. I want to be positive while I wait. I want to be encouraged while I wait. I don't want to uh, shudder. I don't want to be consumed with worry. How can I be of good courage while I wait? Well, let's unfold Psalm 27 and see how we can be of good courage while we wait. Let me give you um, three ideas from this text that we're going to see today. From Psalm 27, we're going to learn three things. We're going to learn who David knows, okay? We're going to learn, secondly, who David desires. And thirdly, we're going to learn what David believes. Because these are the three things that give us good courage while we're waiting. Who we know, what we desire, and what we believe. Those three things will give us good courage while we're waiting on the Lord. What's the context of Psalm 27? Uh, David is on the run from King Saul. According to the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, they give a footnote in the translation. And they say that Psalm 27 was written 
before David became king of Israel. So he is not yet king of Israel. And when you read the text, which I'm about to read for us in a moment, it's easy to see that David is running from an enemy. Someone is trying to kill him. And we know that King Saul was threatened by David, so much so that he tried to kill David on numerous occasions. And so David is running for his life. He is away from home. He is out in the wilderness. He is surviving. He and his mighty men with him. And, and here's what's interesting. David was anointed as king as a teenager, but he would not become king until he was 30 years old. You see that waiting period again? We all have to wait on the Lord for something. Just because he says it now doesn't mean it's going to manifest right now. It may manifest later in time, which we have to learn that a promise delayed does not mean that it is a promise denied. We have to wait on the Lord because while we're waiting on the Lord, guess what? God's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to grow. He's waiting on us to trust him. He's waiting for us to be built up in our faith. He's preparing us for what he's prepared for us. So David had to wait. He was anointed in his living room as a teenager, but he had to wait to be crowned at 30 years old because in between being a teenager and a 30-year-old man, he had to grow into what he would become as king. And the wilderness is going to teach him that. Running from Saul is going to teach him that. He's going to learn how to pray in the wilderness so he doesn't forget how to pray when he gets into the palace. We learn most about God and more about God when we're going through hard times and hard seasons. We learn more about God in the valley than we do on the mountaintop, which is why God orders up for us valley experiences. Because on the mountaintop, we're prone to forget God. But in the valley, oh my, he's all that we have. And he's doing that to show us that he's all that we need. So can we thank God for this time? Because this time is causing me to grow, to grow spiritually, to wait on the Lord as I wait on men and women to come up with solutions to this crisis. Ultimately, I'm waiting on the Lord and David is hiding. So here's what we're going to see. First point, who David knows. If you're going to be of good courage, you got to know somebody. Ah, Psalm 27 verse one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Who does David know? <laughs> Who do you know? According to Psalm 27 verse 1, David said, the Lord is my light. David knows the Lord. Uh, and we see here in the New King James Version that Lord is spelled with all capital letters. So that lets you know that this is God's name, Yahweh, transliterated as Jehovah or Yehovah. I am that I am. 
the self-existing God of the covenant, the God who has all power, God who's God all by himself and don't need no help, God, the Lord, Jehovah. And so David said, the Lord is my light, because this is the same man who said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. So he starts off with this psalm talking about the Lord. And not only does he know the Lord, he says, let me tell you who he is to me. He's my light. Why? Because he's in a dark place, literally. He's in dark spaces, literally, running for his life. And the only thing that can dispel darkness is light. The only thing that can give you a way out of no way is light. So God is David's flashlight in the midst of darkness. God is my light in a dark world, in a dark land, in dark times. God is my light. He's the one who gives revelation in this situation. He's my light. But not only is he my light, David says he's my salvation. You've got to watch these personal possessive pronouns. Uh -huh. You got to watch these personal possessive pronouns. David says, he's mine. <laughs> he's my light. He's my salvation. Is the Lord your salvation? Is he your savior? Is Jesus your savior? <laughs> if not, now is the time to say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. Ha, this is the best time to do it if you have never done that. But then David goes on to say, he is also the strength of my life. So he's my light, he's my salvation or my savior, but he's also my strength because I would have no life apart from him. It's in him that I live and move and have my being. He, everything that I am is because of who he is. So David starts off by saying who he knows. And he talks about the Lord. Now watch this strong tower. He says in verse one, the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Verse two, uh, the, the end of verse one, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. He talks about the Lord, but then he talks about his real life issues. He's struggling with a man, Saul. He's struggling with a man and his army. He's struggling with someone who wants to kill him. And Saul is the most powerful person in the land. When he says things, people do it. He's got people at his beck and call. He's got an army behind him. And he's running after a shepherd boy that he's threatened of. And so David says, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I fear? Here's the deal. A lot of us start off talking about what we're afraid of, who we're afraid of. And then we start talking about the Lord. Let's invert that. Let's start talking about the Lord first and let's deal with the things that make us afraid in light of who God is. So watch this. I got to compare whom I'm afraid to who I believe in. Because the whom can't compare to the who. <laughs> or the what can't compare to the who. So let's get this in the right priority in our lives. 
It's the Lord that I know, and he has all power. He is Yahweh, the God of the covenant. I am that I am. And when I start thinking about him, when I start focusing on him, I then start saying, who shall I be afraid of? Saul, in light of who God is, Saul? Are you kidding me? I'm talking about the God who allows Saul to live. I'm not going to be afraid of Saul. I'm going to fear the Lord. You do know that's how David defeated Goliath, right? <laughs> Goliath had everybody afraid. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. And nobody wanted to go out and fight Goliath. And Saul, who was the most qualified to go because he was the king, and he was about six feet, six inches tall, according to scripture. He should have gone out and fought Goliath. But he was a punk. He was afraid. And here comes this teenager who said, I'll go down and fight him. And they were like, wait a minute, you're just a you. How can you go down? And David started talking about the one who gave him power over the bear and over the lion, the ones who should have killed him. But David had victory over them because of who was with him. And so David said that that giant will be just like the bear and the lion because God is with me. And watch this, God is bigger than Goliath. God is stronger than Goliath. So I'm going in his name because Goliath has defied the armies of the living God. He ought to be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid. He's spoken against God. We stand for God. So he went knowing who was with him as he dealt with whom was standing in front of him. So I just stopped by here to let you know who you serve so that you can stand against what is trying to make you afraid. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of your boss. Your times are in God's hands, not in your boss's hands. Be strong. Know who you believe in. David knows. Do you know? Do you know Jesus? Well, secondly, let's talk about what David desires in verse four. David says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, one thing. So in the midst of hiding and running for his life, he says there's one thing. And I love this, y'all. So to my artists who are out there, don't stop creating. Don't stop painting. Don't stop writing. As a matter of fact, many of your best songs and pieces of art are going to come in the midst of this. David is writing in the stronghold. David is writing on the run. David is writing these songs while he's away from home, waiting on the Lord. And he says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. Watch this. It's not enough to just desire. You have to also seek. You got to do something with the desire. Because if you have a desire, but you don't want to seek after God, if you don't want to put the work in with what you call faith, it doesn't really mean anything. If all you have is desire and no work, you've got emotionalism. So don't say you trust God and you don't want to do something as you trust God. No, no, no. Desire him, but also seek after him. I'm so glad you got up this morning and opened up your uh, devices to get on the to get the word this morning, that, that you're showing that you just don't desire God, you're willing to seek after God. And when all this stuff is over, I'll pray that you will use that 
same desire to seek after God and go to church, go to Bible study, hang out with God's people, do the things of God, and just don't let this go away when this thing goes away. So David said, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. Now watch this. Homeboy says one thing, but he's going to name a, a bunch of things. Watch what he names. He says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's one thing. He says, to behold the beauty of the Lord. That's another thing. To inquire in his temple. That's another thing. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. That's another thing. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. So he says, I'm seeking after one thing, but he names multiple things. So when I start looking at this, I realize that the multiple things that he's mentioning are just derivatives or expressions of the one thing. And that one thing is intimacy with God. He desires intimacy with God. And that intimacy with God is seen in dwelling in his house, beholding or looking at the Lord, inquiring in his temple, which means asking God questions, talking with God, uh, singing to the Lord. These are acts of intimacy. Excuse me, Dorena, can you go get my power cord out of my office? Because my computer is running out of power. But God never runs out of power. Amen. We may run out of power. We may walk in and get weary, but they that wait on the power. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Baby, I need that cord that we can renew the power on this computer. Amen. It's good to have a help me with you while you preach the word. So David says, one thing I desire and he names multiple things because what he desires most right now is intimacy with God. He desires closeness with God. And look at these things, y'all. Look at these things. In verse four, he says, I want to be in his house. Of course, that speaks of going to heaven. He says, I, I just want to behold him. I just want to look at him because there's no one like him. I just want to behold his glory. Because I know the more I look at him, the less I'm going to look at this stuff. Then he says, I want to inquire in his temple. I just want to ask him some questions. I want to be with him. And then David says in verse six, he says, I want to sing to him. Yes, sing praises to the Lord. Mm. Now, in this format this morning, we didn't have an opportunity to have praise and worship. We're working on that, where we can incorporate virtual praise and worship. But guess what? You don't need a worship leader to lead you in praise and worship. You can lead yourself in praise and worship. You can sing along with some of your favorite musicians and artists. You can sing a cappella. You can open up a hymn book. You can sing to the Lord and worship him, not just on Sunday, but every day throughout the day. We can sing praises because when you love someone, you sing to them. So it's okay. Sing praises to God. And so that's what David is saying. Man, I just want to seek his face. Look at verse eight. Now I'll start at verse seven. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. So he's being real with his emotions and how he's feeling. One minute I'm singing praises and I want to inquire in his temple and behold him. Then the next he says, I'm crying. This is just another way of saying I'm praying. I'm crying out to God. I'm talking to God. I'm praying. And he says, Lord, have mercy upon me and answer me. So we're crying out to God during this season. Lord, have mercy on all of us and answer us, Lord. Stop this pandemic. Stop this plague. Prayer. But verse eight says, when you said, when you said, seek my face. In other words, prayer is talking to God and listening to when God talks to us. Prayer. Talk, pray. Mm -hmm. We're talking. But then God starts talking and we be still and be silent and we listen to what he's feeding into our spirit. And for David, God said to him, seek my face. That's what God said. So while you're out here running from Saul, hiding all over the place, seek my face. Be intimate with me. This is David's desire. One thing I desire, to be intimate with God. And God approves that desire. And he says, yes, David, seek my face. And what does David say? My heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. So God, you said it, I'm gonna do it. So when the spirit of the Lord draws you, draws me to seek him, May we not grieve or quench his spirit. Might we submit to his spirit and seek his face more than we seek the next word off of social media, more than we seek what CNN or Fox has to say. I'm going to seek his face because in his presence is fullness of joy. Why don't we have joy? Why don't we have courage? It might be because we're not intimate with the Lord. What a better time to be intimate. What a better time to fall on our faces right now. What a better time to be still and know that he is God. Be quiet in his presence. The Lord has a word to speak. David says in verse nine, as I work to my conclusion, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. <laughs> David desires to be more intimate with God. And in the midst of this, he help. Oh, yes. If you're going to talk to people about what's going on, and you should, be sure to talk to God in prayer about what's going on. Don't miss these moments because God's given us time to pray. If you're going to get information from the news, and we should be sure to get information from God by reading your Bible. Yes, yes, be sure. What's the one thing that you desire most right now? I pray that it's the Lord. But then thirdly and finally, what David believes in Psalm 27, verses 10 through 13, David said, when my father and my mother forsake me, 
then the Lord will take care of me. Verse 11 says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have arisen against me and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Do you believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? So we've seen who David knows. We have seen what David desires. And now we see what David believes. David believes, according to verse 10, that God is going to take care of him. Do you believe that God is going to take care of you? God's invested too much in you not to take care of you. The Bible lets us know that God didn't spare his only son, but he delivered Jesus up for all of us. So how shall he not with Jesus freely give us everything? He's like, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, how you're going to be sheltered. Those are important things, but don't run after them. That's what Gentiles or pagans or unbelievers run after. But no, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Look at the birds. They're not worrying about their next meal. They're not toiling or spinning but your heavenly father knows how to take care of them. He knows how to see the plants grow. He'll take care of us. Don't worry. What does worrying do? Jesus said, you can't add a cubit to your life by worrying, but we can take away from our lives by worrying. So let's stop worrying and let's start trusting that he's gonna take care of us. Listen, you've made it through every tough day you didn't think you would make it through. He took care of you. You're here today, clothed and in your right minds. I know some of you are in your pajamas, but you're still clothed and you're in your right mind. So thank the Lord. He will take care of you. David believed that God will teach me. That's what David said in verse 11. Teach me your way. And this is a great time for us to learn of God. Lord, what would you have us to learn? Teach me right now. Here's a blessing in disguise. God is saying, I want you to spend more time with your family. And guess what? You're spending more time with your family. God has said to you, take some time to rest. You haven't been resting. I haven't been resting. So God allows a pandemic to make us lie down beside the green pastures. Learn. He's teaching right now. Are we listening? David said that God would lead him. He believed that. He said in verse 11 that God would lead me in a smooth path. Lord, would you make these crooked paths straight? Lead me, Lord. I believe you are leading me. Why are you my shepherd? He believed that God would protect him from his adversaries. God, David said, don't deliver me to the will of my enemies. In other words, Lord, protect me. He believed that God would protect him. And then in verse 13, he also believed that he would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. He believed he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you believe that? Matter of fact, listen, yeah, we, we wanna see his goodness on the other side of this, but can't we also take a moment 
to see his goodness in the midst of this? To see how good God is right now and not just talk about how good God's going to be in the future when he lifts this plague? No, he's good right now. And here's what I want you to do um, when I sign off. Take some time with your family and talk about the goodness of the Lord that you see in the land of the living right now. In other words, I'm going to praise him on credit. I, I know he's going to get us through one way or another, but I'm not going to wait to praise him then. I'm going to praise him now. I'm not just going to look for his goodness then. I'm going to look for his goodness now. And man, when I look at these men and women who are risking their lives to serve other people and help the quality of their lives, those who are in the fields of medicine, the, the nurses and doctors in Strong Tower Bible Church, Karen Braxton, Jennifer Pillsbury, Dr. Joe, Dr. Jewel, all of our folks who are out there serving people, man. I see his goodness through you. I see his goodness when people are kind to one another, when people call and check up on one another. I see his goodness. When I walked my dog this morning, I heard his goodness when those birds were singing. And those birds singing encouraged me to sing while I was walking Lulu this morning. His goodness is everywhere. Thank God you have a house to be in. Thank God you have electricity. Thank God you have social media. Thank God you have a phone. You have a computer. Thank God for this. Thank God for that. Because your attitude will determine your altitude. So David says his goodness. I'm going to see his goodness. So take some time and talk about the good things you see going on right now. In conclusion, I go to verse 14. David said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So the question is, how can we be of good courage while we wait on the Lord? In other words, how can we wait? Can we wait and not David? It I hear, you know, David, no, he's our intimacy. He's going to defend me. That's why, and not to one last. Do you see David's last statement? Wait, I say, on the Lord, exclamation point. Exclamation point. An exclamation means he's excited. An exclamation means he's anticipating God is gonna show up and show his goodness in the land of the living exclamation point. So while you're waiting, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be sullen. We don't have to be down. We can be excited. We can be encouraged. We can be anticipatory. Why? Because God is in control. God is up to something. And so while I'm waiting, I can be of good courage and I can put an exclamation point on that thing. Why? Because God is about to do something. <laughs> and I'm gonna wait on him, exclamation. I pray that you can get an exclamation in your soul while you're waiting, an anticipation that you can be excited that the Lord's up to something and he can do anything but fail. Because if we knew what was coming, it would help us deal better with what we're going through. If we knew what was coming on the other side, it would give us more courage while we're going through what we're going through now. But guess what? We, we may not know exactly what's on the other side, how long we have to wait, 
But we do know what's on the other side, and that is all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Maybe next week I'm going to talk about Romans 8, about the love of God, how nothing can separate us from the love of God. So what's on the other side of this victory? One way or another, what's on the other side of this? Being a conqueror, being an overcomer, what's on the other side of this life? Life eternal, life abundant? Ah. If we knew what was on the other side, it would help us while we're going through now. You're waiting in your house, Lord, what's going on? Something good is on the other side of this. And it reminds me of what happened on September 22nd. 1862. September 22nd, 1862. That was when President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And it was signed during the Civil War as a wartime document to free all slaves in the Confederate States. So all of the states that rebelled, the proclamation was saying, you will be free on January 1st, 1863. But it was signed September 22nd, 1862. So they got good news that a better day was coming, but they had to wait three months for the news to manifest. And so as they got closer to the day, they were able to endure because they knew something was coming. Freedom was coming. A better day was coming. They endured because they knew what was coming. And then on December 31st, 1862, they waited up all night long in their homes, or should I say shanties, little cabins that they would put in. Some of them went to their slave churches and they waited through the night. They watched through the night because they knew that at 12 midnight, January 1st, 1863, a new day would dawn, a day of freedom, a day of emancipation, a day of liberation. Oh my, you can endure this. You can get through this. You can watch for a better day because a better day is coming. And I'm not just saying that, just try to say, I know it's true because the God I serve is a good God. He's a great God. He's a kind God. He's a loving God and better is on its way. But while I'm waiting on better, I'm gonna celebrate good right now in spite of what's going on. Oh yeah, let's wait on the Lord and not faint. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that your people, after hearing the word today, would have an insatiable hunger and thirst and desire to consume your word on their own. Lord, it's one thing for me to teach them, but it's another thing for you to teach them. They have an anointing from you that can teach them things that no man, no woman, no great Bible preacher, teacher could teach them. So I pray, Lord, that we'll sit with Psalm 27 this week or we'll sit with other passages of scripture as we wait on you. Thank you, Lord, for David who was waiting on you. And he wrote this song, not having yet received what he was waiting on. He wouldn't become king until after this psalm was written. But somehow, some way, he still found the grace 
to encourage us as we wait. May we encourage other people while we're waiting on you in this hour. Bless our folks. May you heal people who are hurting, Father, in the name of Jesus. Would you heal coughs and sneezes and headaches and, 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 and people having trouble breathing? We still believe in you. You are a healer. You are the healer. And as we're waiting on men and women to come up with anecdotes to what's going on, we always trust you to intervene and do what we cannot do, what man cannot do. So thank you, God. I commit your wonderful people into your care. Thank you for allowing me to be an under-shepherd to your people. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I sure miss you guys. I miss y'all, man. Can't wait to see y'all again. So Wednesday night, we'll be back on with Bible study at 6.30 Wednesday night. So until that time, check your emails, uh, check Facebook, check Twitter, and we'll stay in touch. Love you. God bless. Signing off.